all. Welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is the man who's eating something called low-carb peanut M&M's, so I don't know if I should call him the greatest other host, but I'm going to. The greatest other host on the other side of the Mississippi River, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. I mean, I'm eating low-carb, and again, they're Atkins brand peanut M&M's. They can't call them M&M's, but they're low-carb because... In case you forgot, like 10 years ago, I weighed 350 pounds, and now I'm down to 280, so I'm trying to keep that weight off as best as I can. Got that six-pack going. <laughs> no, I don't have a six-pack. I still have a belly, as I want to have. Again, man, like I can't be eating regular M&Ms all the time. I got to keep this weight off so I can go out and run crazy distances all the time. So, Ty, today, instead of talking about running crazy distances and all that, this is a something that I've had in my mind lately. And I think I'd said this on another podcast, but obviously getting back out to the movie theaters. And is there much I want to see? I don't know. But then one day I saw they were they had the for I think it was the 25th anniversary, 30th anniversary, something. I can't remember which one. But they had the um, the G.I. Joe cartoon movie was going to be there. And I was like, oh, I should go see that. I didn't do it. But I was kicking myself because like a week later, the same theater was showing The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. And then a week after that, they were showing Blade Runner. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then a podcast I've discussed before, the 430 movie, their last season, they ended on a week of just 1982. And the people over there at the 430 movie, they're producing or they're putting together this documentary. And sorry, I haven't seen, I don't even think it's out yet, but it's called 1982, The Greatest Geek Year Ever. It's a two hour and 45 minute documentary, first off. It's a lot of talking, it's a lot of talking heads from people that made movies in 1982. Now, so that's what we're talking about, especially if you read the titles before you watch the show, you know, that's what we're talking about in that it kind of like how I talked to you about toys. I'm going to talk to you just about that year because a lot of people will say the greatest year of movies ever is 1939. I think that's when Gone with the Wind came out, like uh, Snow White came out, uh, Citizen Kane. Somewhere in there, there's that year that everybody points to. But if I want to talk about legacy and we're the ex-millennial man, we're not the old ass people that watch black and white movie, man. If I want to talk about the greatest movie year ever. I think by the time we're done talking about this, you're going to agree and everybody else says this is probably the best year of movies ever that ever has come out. It's the best year of existence also because it's when my wife uh, and I were born. That's, that's right. That's the other <laughs> thing. And so there's that. And another movie year we're going to talk about in the future is actually 1999, I think, is in the running. But I don't think it can beat 1982. 19. It was the year that like Pulp Fiction and Shawshank and all them. I think that was 94. Mid 90s, yeah, yeah. somewhere in the mid 90s. That's another strong year for movies. But when I go through and t- just talk about a few of these movies, and not just the movies, but some franchises and how they changed, this is a year that's going to be rem- 100 years. In 2082, they're going to be doing a big thing going, you know, that was kind of the greatest year ever. Mm-hmm. Before we start, I usually end on this, but just so everybody knows, and these are not movies we're going to talk a lot about, but the Oscar from 82 went to the movie Gandhi. Gandhi. Okay. Gandhi, yeah. yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah, when I read, read you these other movies, Ty, I don't think you've ever seen Gandhi. I um, have not seen Gandhi. Yeah, it's, it's not, you know, it, definitively not timeless in a lot of ways. Best original song from in the BAFTA Awards, the British uh, Oscars, it was another brick in the wall. So that's a movie that came out this year. But for the most part, there's two other movies I'm going to talk about that are kind of big that had some Oscar love. And then when we're done, I'm going to tell you what the top 10 movies were box office wise, and your mind's going to be blown because it's not the 10 you think. Well, it's not eight you think. It's not eight, I think. Okay. So you ready for this? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I was born this year, so all these movies, I the, like a lot of the movies I saw from the list that I looked at, I saw much, much later in my life because I don't think A, it would have been appropriate for me to watch these when I was a baby, no. and B, I was a newborn baby at the end of 1982. Now, and a little bit of background, too, so people know, Hollywood for a long time ran underneath what's called the studio system. You had your big studios, and the same directors and same actors worked for those studios. And MGM, 20th Century Fox, RKO, they all worked for the same people. And in kind of the the late 60s, early 70s, you started to see the rise of what you may call independent cinema, things like Easy Rider. 
the directors suddenly became the big stars, not the, the the studio executives. So you had people like Francis Ford Coppola with The Godfather or Apocalypse Now, George Lucas with Star Wars. It's weird to call these people independent film directors, but that's mm-hmm. kind of like what they were. Uh, Steven yeah. Spielberg with Jaws. But along with movies like The Godfather, Jaws, and Star Wars, it created these big franchises. Jaws in a kind of hybrid horror What's the best word for it? Yeah, action. You had Suspense. Yeah, Star Wars was sci-fi fantasy, Godfather, which big sweeping movies. So it kind of created this new era of film. And I think 1982 was one of the most experimental years and the year that probably informed movies all the way up till now. I only know a few movies that came out this year after you told me what we were talking about, so I'm pretty stoked on this. And the last thing I'm going to say is there's movies I'm going to talk about in here that I remember going to the theater to see. Like you said, you were born in late 82, which Mm -hmm. means, like these movies, Ty, you're going to be 40 this year. I sure am. (laughs) But (laughs) I remember going to see some of these movies, and there's some interesting stories behind some of them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I hope you are, too. Absolutely, I am. I'm going to start, and so everybody knows I'm just using Wikipedia on here, but if you go through like every other year, you basically go through January, February, there's not much. I mean, mm-hmm. there's. I'm trying to think if there's any movie in here anybody would have ever remembered. Uh, the only thing I can come up with is maybe Death Wish 2. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard of that, so I, I don't know, though. I mean, it sounds like one of those new movies that, then they come out with like a series of like five movies a couple of years ago that like Tarantino directed one, somebody else directed one. They have Danny Trejo's in them. The yeah. Grindhouse movies, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, about. that's about it. There is a Wes Craven's uh, Swamp thing, which I it was, you know, this was not Wes Craven's first movie. He had done a bunch of movies in the 70s, but I think this is maybe one of, you know, a superhero movie, something like that. Again, something I've never, ever seen in my life. Yeah. Swamp Thing, I, I yeah, I assume that's like a trauma movie, if I think about it. So let's talk about Werner Herzog, the, yeah. the greatest <laughs> the greatest voice in uh, in all of movies. Uh, it's incredible. Documentarian, Simpsons, and Mandalorian guest star. And Parks and Rec. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he did a famous movie called uh, Fitzcarlo. Fitzcarraldo. This- or is it Fitzcarraldo? Yeah, see, I'm yeah, I'm so screwed up. I I've think I've never seen it, but I know his uh, his work. So. Yes, yes. It's uh now this is this was not a documentary. This was, I mean, I think it was based off of a true life story. And I know one of the big deals with this movie was they basically took a, a boat, a ship, and moved it over a mountain, like you know, walked yeah. it over the mountain as part of it. But the actor who had worked a lot with Werner Herzog and that Klaus Kinski. He and uh, Herzog did not get along in this movie. Nope. <laughs> and do you know the story about the gun? So it's funny. I don't know the full story, but Paul F. Tompkins, who I'm a big fan of, he's on Comedy Bang Bang a lot, and sometimes he plays Werner Herzog on there. And anytime they bring up Klaus Kinsey in the movie Fitzcarraldo, Paul F. Tompkins as Werner Herzog gets very, like, shady and starts saying stuff weird about him and it, it sounds like an insane relationship between the two of them. <laughs> yeah i know the so there was something about a gun where i it's, i think herzog said there's two bullets in this one for klaus and one for me <laughs> oh my god it must have been a horrible time on that movie <laughs> yeah making that movie yeah, and a lot I mean, of us had less of a problem doing Grizzly Man than he did doing this movie. Yeah, and I know a lot of people may bring up the movie uh, Victor Victoria, uh, Blake Edwards movie. Sure. It's a well-known movie, but it's probably nothing that you and I really have seen. I, I've never even heard of it. The incredibly named Eating Raul. <laughs> Wait, is Victor Victoria? Did Seinfeld do a spoof on that with Rochelle? Rochelle? I think yeah, it's it's a, a yeah, it's a musical and yeah, all that other good stuff. But again, you're getting into the area where there's some movies that are a little bit well known. Now, as we go into the year and you start to get into April here, I mean, movies people got to remember it wasn't this concept of uh, of Marvel releasing a big movie in April. That just did not happen. Again, these were. Yeah kind of smaller movies. Uh, there was The Sword and the Sorcerer for someone like me that played... And I got to say this up front. I played Dungeons and Dragons around this time. All these sword and fantasy movies, and we're going to talk about a few here really soon, they sucked. They were awful. 
crawl. I know. I'm sorry. Some people are going to be mad at me. I'm not a big fan of Labyrinth. I think Willow's pretty dumb, and I have no idea why the hell they have to do another series of it. They just, I mean, Sword and Sorcerer is one of those movies, just not that great. But you get into May. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this, Ty, and if you have not, you need to put this on your list. But Barry Levinson's Diner came out in May of 1982. Never seen it. I mean, I don't even know what it's about. It's it's, it's about it's about bros that are just older, okay. just dudes that are older. Steve Gutenberg, Daniel Stern, Mickey Rourke, Kevin Bacon, Ellen Barkin, Paul Reiser, Michael Tucker. I mean, wow. this is the Diner's a great movie. I actually revisited it okay. not long ago. It is a really, I mean, it's one of those movies that I think has stood the test of time. And it's just people hanging out at a diner. You know what? I mean, there's like the movie The Big Chill. It's got more yeah. to do with that. But it, or do you remember the movie? Um, God, what was the one with uh, what's his name crushing on a teenage Natalie Portman? Uh, oh, uh, beautiful yeah, girls. Beautiful girls. Yeah, it's more. It's kind of in that vein, that type of movie. Okay. But when I said the sword and the sorcerer, and most of these movies movies were dumb. May fourteenth, nineteen eighty two. John Milius with a screenplay from Oliver Stone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Conan the Barbarian. (laughs) (laughs) So I have never seen Conan. I know all about it. Many podcasts I listen to have talked about it. Most recently on a podcast Scott hasn't seen, they watched and talked about it. I have to see this movie now because I guess this is... Is this Schwarzenegger's first role besides Pumping Iron? Yeah, I, I think it was... Yeah, I believe it was. And I hear that he's just like... He looks good, but he clearly cannot act. And apparently all of his lines were ADR'd. And I know in the sequel, Wilt Chamberlain's in the sequel. So I'd be interested to see that. But I know a lot about this movie. I just haven't seen it to this point. This is what I'll say about Conan. It's And I don't consider this a guilty pleasure. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's an insane movie. I mean, it is sure. an incredibly insane movie. Wasn't well, Conan like a, a superhero? Yeah, it was a, a pulp novel type thing. Okay. And I know, I don't remember this, obviously, when it came out, but people I've revisited, have gone back, and people were like, oh, Conan, that guy can't play Conan. Conan's a tall, skinny guy, all this other stuff. And I, again, I want to stress, too, this movie was written by Oliver Stone. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> and James Earl Jones, who just announced today's essentially retiring from acting. I mean, the guy's 90-something. But, um, I mean, he's crazy. The movie's just, it's just a crazy thing to look at. The musical score, and it's incredibly awesome. I mean, something I still think of to this day. But for those kind of sword and sorcerer type movies, the sword and the sorcerer sucked. Conan is great. Also, Conan, just so you know, is rated R. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's and it earns that rating. Just yeah. It's uh, well, I, from from that podcast I listen to. There's a lot of nudity. Yes, I believe in this movie, and isn't it kind of violent? Oh, it's very violent <laughs> because Conan is a barbarian. Yes. And I can't imagine that barbarians did. They, I'm sure they did stuff barbaric as as the name yes. lays out for us. And then in May, you also had the uh, the big screen adaptation of Annie. With Albert Finney as Daddy Warbucks. I mean, I don't know if you ever had to watch that in school or anything. That's another one that I know all about it. I know Hard Knock Life, mainly from that Jay-Z song, but I've, I've never seen it before. I know that uh, a lot of people say that how these TV these TV channels now are doing live like plays or whatever. Everybody says the Annie one's really good, but I've never seen it before. Yeah, I actually don't. Th- I mean, I've had to, I've had to work on a production of Annie and... It's it's a good show. Don't get me wrong. It's it's what's strange about this movie is until they did that one a few years back with the African American cast. Yeah, the girl from uh, that that crazy swamp movie. Oh, the Beast of the Southern Wilds or yeah, something. Beast of the movie's yeah, awesome yeah. too. If oh yeah, have never seen that. Yeah, this it's interesting to me for Annie because it was a big hit. When I talk about box office, this movie was a big hit, but then. It doesn't get remade for 30 years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they remake musicals <laughs> constantly. But that's how played, that's how iconic it was. Who played the lead role of Annie in that? Was it anybody? Because in my mind, it was always Shirley Temple, but I know that. No, no. Was, I, uh, I believe it was, uh, it was kind of an unknown kid actor named Eileen Quinn. I mean, the big oh, ones were Albert Finney as Daddy uh, Warbucks and Carol Burnett as, what's her name, the woman that ran the... Uh, the gosh, what I'm trying to think, the orphanage. But okay. I mean, Bernadette Peters is in this. Tim Curry's in this. I mean, it was like I said, wow. it was, this was a big thing. But not to be outdone, 
at the end of May in 1982. And this is where I'm going to talk about series shifting a little bit. Rocky okay. Three comes out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you had I've Rocky. Seen all the Rocky movies, and this one is not great. Yes, this is where the Rocky movies went from being about something to being entertaining. Yes, absolutely. Popcorn and, movies. Right. And of the low, like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So I think Rocky, Rocky 2, a lot of people will say, yes, those are pretty good movies. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go to Creed and Creed 2 and say, yes, those are pretty good movies. Yeah. Yeah. So of all those in between, this is the best. Of yeah, I agree. With three, that. four, five, Rocky Balboa, whatever. I mean, Mr. Yeah. T is is just incredible in it. I mean, Clubber Lang uh, is a <laughs> is a legit good bad guy for sure. Yes, uh, this movie was written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Didn't he write the first one, but not direct the first one? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure yeah. he won an Oscar for writing for that first one. He might have, yeah, but I know I what's his name, uh, John Avelson, the guy who did a Karate Kid, directed the first oh, Rocky. Okay. But well, yeah, and like. Clubber Lang is such a good boxer name, too. Oh, it is. No, he's he is he it's is just not a very good movie. He is absolutely great. Now, I tried to do more research into this. I didn't do enough, obviously, but and I don't think this was his first movie. But one of the credited people in this movie is Morgan Freeman. No way. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> what is what is he playing in this movie? I see that's what I I mean, somebody's going to yell at me and please do. Again, I didn't look yeah. as much into it, but I mean Morgan Freeman was on like the electric company and all that other stuff yeah, at yeah. this time, but yeah, Morgan Freeman. So, and it's also been years. I mean, years since I've seen that movie. I got to imagine Mr. T at one point says I pity the fool in this movie. Oh, I believe he point. does. I absolutely okay. believe he does. And look, it's not only Mr. T. The movie starts off with a and again I'm a this is a movie I remember seeing in the theater all right so yeah. I'm 7 years old around this time so this I probably our father probably took me to this for my birthday or took our brother and I yeah. and so I was big into into pro wrestling at that time and the mm-hmm. beginning of this movie is Rocky and Hulk Hogan he was called Thunderlips in this doing a boxing <laughs> slash wrestling match and they talk uh. about in there about how it's fake so I was probably like really traumatized on what I do you mean? To shatter your world <laughs> yeah, what do you man? mean this is fake? So hey, gotta give him credit. But well, okay, Dad was probably like time for him to learn at some point. Now, Ty, I'm gonna end this half with a run of movies here. Okay, once you get to June, all right. So June 4th, this is the exact same day on June 4th, Poltergeist and Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Damn, same day. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> And Poltergeist wasn't some some independent film that came out of nowhere. This was produced no. by Steven Spielberg, which a lot of people think it was actually directed by him. I mean, Poltergeist was a big deal. Poltergeist is still – it's a movie I've thought during the Halloween season here I might revisit. But yeah. I still have memories of that movie scaring the crap out of me. Well, and like I'm trying to think of a modern-day comparison that would be like putting – Endgame up against the the new Justice League movie or something like that. I mean, these are two pretty big, pretty famous yeah. movies. And Star Trek Two, I go back to the whole how they they essentially changed the franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first Star Trek movie came out and it was really heavy, like sci fi, and it's a movie I've thought of going back to revisit, but it was not successful. And mm-hmm. they came in and basically made an action movie with the, yeah. with the Star Trek people. And you go in people, especially people my age are going to say it's the best one. And man, I watched it the other day and it is great. It is so, so good. I mean, it's genuinely a really good movie and yeah. it, cha- it, it created that franchise. After that, they did a few, I mean, Star Trek three is one of the worst pieces of garbage known <laughs> to mankind, but they, they, I mean, a franchise that's still going on, and I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's the original series or it's this. You know what? That J.J. Abrams reboot is a hell of a lot more like Star Trek II than it is like the original series. Yeah. And then, a week later, Grease 2 came out. <laughs> so, I've never seen Grease 2. <laughs> I recently was at our parents' house. I go have coffee with our dad twice a week, and we go get coffee, we go back to their house, and we were watching Grease and then later in the day, Grease 2 was going to be on. And our mom was just like, oh, that's such a bad movie. But then I hear people 
roughly my age, maybe a little bit older, have like this weird fondness oh, for Greece too. My wife has told me that she likes it more than Greece. Really? Yes. And like people really love, I believe it's Michelle Pfeiffer who's the lead in that. Yeah, I, really I, I believe that that's movie. her first movie. Yeah. So I, again, I've never watched Greece too because I always heard in our home that it's terrible and that and Greece. I mean, granted, the people, I think Travolta was the youngest one playing high school and he was like 27 at the mm-hmm. time. But I, I think that is a good movie. So I'm, I'd be curious to see how I would react to Grease 2. Yeah. Christopher McDonald is in Grease 2. Hey, Shooter McGavin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But kind of to counter-program Grease 2, a little movie called E.T. the Extraterrestrial oh. also came out on June 11th. One of the greatest movies that has ever existed. So that week in movies... You could go to the theater and conceivably Rocky 3 is playing, Poltergeist is playing, Star Trek 2 is playing, and E.T. is playing. There's a little something for everybody. <laughs> I mean, honestly. There is. I, this is a movie I just got to mention. This movie, uh, June 18th, is a Clint Eastwood movie called Firefox about some super advanced helicopter. Even That's as so a seven-year-old, I was, I was uh, disappointed. It's not about the internet browser you can use. Uh, no, it was, no. It was Firefox, unfortunately. Let me talk about June 25th. Okay. And again, you have all these other movies out. So this was, oh God, who made this movie? I forgot who it was, but it was supposed to be a big deal. This sci-fi movie called Megaforce. Have you ever heard of Megaforce? I have not heard of that. Oh, it's freaking terrible. I mean, it's okay. such a terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> It's a movie, it's a sci-fi movie being carried by Barry Bostwick. Do you know who that is? I do know. He's uh, He was um, the guy in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, he's Brad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that came out, and then John Carpenter's The Thing came out, which was an absolute disaster. It was critically hated, and it, it did terrible in the box office. Even as a matter of fact, Roger Ebert said it's the kind of movie that's made just to make you vomit. Now, oh. 40 years later, it is considered an absolute masterpiece. I and, need to see it. I oh, yeah. See yes. It. Oh, you really should. I mean, I when I got into my collecting movies, I got it for Blu-ray. And, I mean, the effects in this movie are – it's grotesque. It's, it's you know, mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft. It's, supposed to be. it's, it's a monster movie, right? I tell people today, if they haven't seen it, if you watch Lovecraft Country, mm-hmm. those inspirations are from – those creature inspirations are from The Thing, whereas The Thing was from H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Mm-hmm. But it did terrible because a week before, E.T. came out. So (laughs) people didn't want to go see aliens that are absolutely horrifying. They wanted to see them that are friendly. Yeah, totally. And then a little movie came out called Blade Runner. One of the greatest movies that's ever existed. Now, I'm going to end this this half actually on Blade Runner. That's what I'm going to do. Then we'll go to July and the rest of the year because... I've had this debate ongoing in my own mind, and I know you may think differently, but Blade Runner was uh, not a not a successful movie either. No, not at all. Yeah, I think it. I like E. T. Probably came in first this week. I believe Blade Runner was in the top five, but it didn't really have staying power. Blade Runner is one of the first movies I ever heard people call a cult classic when I yeah. was young. It's I remember vividly as a kid. Our uncle Don like really loved this movie. And would always talk about it. And for somebody like me, I I probably didn't get it or was bored as hell when I was seven. But it was like, oh, Han Solo in another space movie? That must be good. But (laughs) here's here's the hot take I have. So I've got the whole collection that has the theatrical release and Mm -hmm. then the the director's cut, the final cut, all that crap. Well, I remember the director's cut came out when I was a senior in college or a senior in high school. So that would have been 1993. So 11 years. For 11 years, the movie Blade Runner only had that theatrical cut that has the quote-unquote happy ending and the, oh, yeah. and the voiceover narration. Now, yeah. I think it's really important, especially when you look at Blade Runner 2049 and spoiler alert people, but this whole concept that Decker had a child with, um, with what's her name, with Sean Young. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you're to believe that, because if you go to the director's version or whatever, the movie just ends with Edward James almost saying, too bad she's going to die. And he's like, yeah, and you know specifically she's going to die soon because mm-hmm. of the way that model unit was set up. So I have to believe Blade Runner 2049 is using the ending from the theatrical version. Sure. I've gone back, and you know what? I actually don't think theatrical ver- version is bad. 
I think. I don't think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Say so some people are like no, no, it's I garbage. It's great. Because no, Ridley no, no, no. Scott hated it, because Harrison Ford hated it, but I don't hate it. I actually think no. it's not bad at all. And that's the movie that became the quote-unquote cult classic. Yeah, absolutely. This movie, it holds, like like I said, it's the first movie I ever heard of. And I heard, I'm sure I heard you talking about it with your friends, but cult classic came up. And I didn't know what sci-fi really was or what noir was. And the fact that they melded both, both of them together. And Rucker Hauer is so good in this movie. And... What's the actor who does all the cartwheels in that? It's one of her first roles. Oh, yeah, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah's in it, and she's, you know, really, Edward James Almost, you mentioned. Sean Young, before whatever yeah. happened to her happened. Harrison Ford. This movie's perfect to me. And I've watched every version, such as you have, and I, every version I watch, I like it for different reasons. And I enjoy the theatrical release as much as I enjoy the director's cut, all that stuff. It's nice to see both versions of it and, like, know what Ridley Scott was going for, know what the studio wanted but i i just love talking about this movie because there's so many different angles people can take to talk about it everybody has a different opinion and but the the common theme in between all this is that everybody i've talked to loves this movie i didn't watch this movie until about 10 years ago and i have just inhaled every bit of content i can for it and it's one of it's probably like my third favorite movie of all time and just to end I mean, think about this. This is one. This we're not. We're obviously talking about all of 1982, but one week. I mean, in in a span of one month. Okay, just science fiction wise, you want to talk about movies that define their their series, their genre. These are movies that are incredibly timeless. Star Trek II, E.T., Blade Runner, and The Thing are all yeah. in the movie theaters at the same time. Same time in the same year. <laughs> in the same. That's that's crazy. Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty. So after we have our sci-fi gasm. <laughs> and also real quick, I just do want to say yeah. E.T. is an incredible movie. Oh, it I is. I know that it may have done like messed up. It may have messed up with the thing or, or whatever it was. But E.T. is that's an incredible movie. And especially seeing it as a kid, there's just something that that movie like changes you when you're a child when you see it. I'm not done. We're not done. I'm saying talking about just iconic films and not even iconic films, just the start of big, big careers. I do want to say the first movie I'm talking about came out in early July is The Secret of Nim. It's a movie I've kind of revisited again. It's it's a deep movie. It's a big movie. Don Bluth animated film. A lot of people remember the the mice and all that stuff. But Secret of Nim is a great movie. It is one of those movies like... 40 years later, you look back and you're like, damn, they were really going for something. And it worked. Whereas the next movie I'm going to talk about on July 9th, Tron sucks. (laughs) You really disliked that movie. (laughs) Because I loved it for 40 years. 
Because I remember as a kid, probably, I remember going to the theater to see this. I think we went to the Manchester, like, dollar cinema or something. Oh, yeah. To go, yeah, yeah, to go see it and thinking, oh, my God, this is the coolest movie ever. No, it's awful. It's so, oh, like, I keep thinking what our parents were thinking at the time. <laughs> I, I saw the Sandlot at that theater, so I have much better memories of that theater than you do, apparently. And to kind of give you an idea of where things are different, you know, Christopher Nolan's coming out with all his movies in mid-July now. I know his Oppenheimer movie comes out in mid-July. Mid-July of 1982, you've got a Woody Allen movie, a Midsummer Night yeah. sex comedy. It's terrible. I actually think, and I'm not just saying this because Woody Allen's a bad person. <laughs> Woody Allen is the most overrated director in my lifetime. I'd agree. I agree. I have not seen a Woody Allen movie, so I'd agree with you on that. Yeah, but the ones I have seen, it's like, no, some movie called Young Doctors in Love. I mean, these are movies, again, nobody's ever heard of. Now, yeah. July 23rd, there's some Frankenheimer movie named The Challenge. I've never heard of that. There was uh, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which is one of the top 10 movies of the year, another big musical. Every year I play the song Hard Candy Christmas by Dolly Parton. That's from this nice. musical. There's Zapped with Scott Bayo and William Ames, where nope. the classy Scott Bayo gets like powers to lift girls' skirts or something. Uh-huh. And then there's this little movie, The World According to Garp. Now, do you know about this? I've heard of the name and I've hear, heard people talk about it. I have no idea what it's about, who made it, who's in it, anything. A lot of people talk about Robin Williams and uh, Dead Poet Society era, Good Morning Vietnam, Goodwill Hunting. And they're like, he was a comic actor, and then he started to do serious movies. This is 1982. This is Robin Williams doing serious movies. Oh, okay. So he was doing them long before. Yeah, and it's... Stuff like that. This is a John Irving, famous novelist. It's based on that. It had a couple of Oscar nominations. George Hill directed it. George Hill directed Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh. (laughs) You know, this was, I mean, a movie that I've never seen it either, but a movie I don't think a lot about... I mean, oh, also yeah. George Hill directed Slapshot, too, so we should. Oh, nice. I love that movie, and I'm not even a hockey fan. Anymore. Yeah, but, you know, just kind of a weird thing. But I want to talk about July 30th, a movie, Night Shift. Okay. Yeah, is that with Michael Keaton? Yeah, it's Michael Keaton's first movie role, like first big movie role. Is it a dark comedy? So, <laughs> a couple of things. Night Shift was directed by Ron Howard. Now, I think he directed some stuff before, but this was kind of his first big movie. And Henry Winkler, Michael Keaton, and Shelley Long are the leads in it. Who is, I think it's, um, I think Michael Keaton's a pimp, Shelley Long's a prostitute, and Henry Winkler, I think, uh, runs a a, a mortuary, a funeral home. And the whole plot of the movie is they use the funeral home to run prostitutes. Now, there's a famous Saturday Night Live from this time where Ron Howard is on and Eddie Murphy's interviewing him. And he's like, hey, look, it's Opie Cunningham, you know, little Opie, little Richie Cunningham. And he's like, yeah, well, now now I'm Ron Howard. I'm a director now. And he's like, so what's Opie Cunningham directing? And Ron Howard says, oh, so we're doing this movie Night Shift, which is about a couple of guys that use a funeral home to run prostitutes. And Eddie Murphy looks appalled. And he's like, Opie Cunningham's talking about prostitution? That rules. I need to see that. I think that's one of our dad's favorite movies, if I remember Uh, right. I'm going to have to ask him. Yeah. yeah. That's a great movie. So let's get into August, though. Okay. Now you're getting into where people are kind of dumping some movies, but at the same time, you're getting into the movies that might be Oscar worthy, including An Officer and a Gentleman, one of our mother's favorite movies. Yep. (laughs) I've never seen that movie. I just know the scene where they do the famous song and he's holding what's her face? He's carrying Deborah Wainer. Deborah Winger and is it Richard Gere? Yes. Yeah, he's carrying her and there's that song's in the background. So a couple of first off, I'm going to say that I've seen an officer and a gentleman. I didn't see it in 1982, but it, it is a very very good movie. Louis Gossett Jr. Okay. won the Oscar, the yeah. best supporting actor Oscar. But an officer and a gentleman is so big in our society, it has been mentioned twice in The Simpsons. <laughs> I know it's the one where Homer does the same thing to Mars. Yes, yeah, where you're like, I'm t- going to the car with my wife to make love, and I'll be back in 10 minutes or something. <laughs> yeah. But the other one is when Lisa becomes a Buddhist, and she goes to the temple, oh, Lenny yeah. and Carl and Richard Gere are there, and I think it was Lenny said, did you really do all those sit-ups? He's like, no, nah, I just did one, and then they just repeated it again. That's from an yeah. officer and a gentleman. On, so Officer and Gentleman came out on August 13th, along with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. One of the best 
comedies ever. That movie, so ahead of its time, sex positive. Mm-hmm. The females have main roles in that. That Judge Reinhold is phenomenal in that movie. Forrest Whitaker is incredible. And one thing, Sean Penn is very yes. divisive. I understand that. And it would have driven me nuts to work on this movie with him because from what I read, he stayed in the Spicoli character even off off screen, which would have driven me nuts if I was on that movie. But Jeff Spicoli is one of the most memorable characters mm-hmm. of all time. Oh, yeah. I, I, I adore that movie. Uh, Nicholas Cage's first film role. Yeah, Nick mm-hmm. Coppola in the yep. credits. He, yep. works, he works at the hamburger place with Judge Reinhold. Now, also on the same day, Friday the 13th Part 3 came out. Now, there's a reason I'm going to tell you this is a very, very important movie in the history of cinema, and it has nothing to do with its plot. Okay. Early on in the movie, there's like a couple of kids that go to rob a convenience store or something like that, and one of them grabs a hos- hockey mask and puts it on. And then Jason finds them, Kills them, of course, and puts the hockey mask on. Oh. He does not put that hockey mask on in the first or second movies. I actually, for some reason, wow. I don't know if he's there in the first one. I can't remember. So huh. an iconic villain was born out of this movie. Again, I don't know if this is one with Kevin Bacon in it or the one where the people are having sex and he shoots the knife through <laughs> the under the bed. Yeah, but that is the one where the hockey mask comes out. That's cool. And then also late in August, you have the Don Coscarelli Beastmaster with Mark Sainer and Rip Torn and John Amos. <laughs> I've heard of the movie, but I've never seen it before. I think the name is Brad, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, this is like the Sword and the Sorcerer is supposed to capture that D&D thing. It was just awful. You know what it is? It's like uh, if Comedy Central made a joke of the movie Conan, that's what Beastmaster okay. is. Now, All right, I got gotcha. you. I know... Um, in the early days of Basic Cable, the joke was HBO stands for Hey, Beastmaster's on because this movie was on constantly. <laughs> so you ask anybody my age or a little bit older, what's HBO yeah. stand for? They will instinctively say that. Okay. Well, in August, too, don't you want to mention, the, you mentioned it at the start, but isn't that when The Wall came out? No, that came so out in September. Oh, okay. I, I'm yeah. ahead of myself. Then. Yeah, no, the... The Wall, I mean, you had like, again, September's kind of a dead time for movies anyways. But yeah. you did have The Wall. I mean, that's that's kind of odd. I mean, that was a big deal. That was a huge album. It came out, I think, I want to say three years earlier. It was a big deal. I don't know if you've ever seen The Wall. It horrified me as a kid, yeah. and I revisited it as an adult, and it still kind of scared me. And it's, I love that It's album. just so weird. Yeah, I love the album, too. It's just so... it's. I remember when uh, Evita came out and somebody, I think it was Roger Ebert, talked about how it's essentially a two-hour music video. That's what mm-hmm. The Wall essentially was. It was the, yeah. I know there's a story in there. But I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't like even it, know what but. the story is. I just thought that the visuals, again, as a kid, terrified me. As an adult, terrified me less, but still scared me a little <laughs> bit. Now, October. They, on October 22nd, two movies in particular I want to mention. One is Halloween 3, The Season of the Witch. Now, the newest final Halloween or whatever is supposed to be coming out here soon. Uh, a lot of people will go back. This is another movie where you're going to get people that are going to say it's awful or they love it. And okay. I heard a rumor that it may be coming to theaters again as a 40th anniversary thing. A couple of years back, uh, I mean, no, God, it's got to be 10 years back or something. It's when I lived in Milwaukee. And I used to come to Cincinnati every other weekend to visit with my then fiance. wonder whatever yeah. happened to her. But uh, <laughs> no, I would when I would come back. I'd come back late Sundays, and I'd always pick up this this show on Chicago radio late at night. It's kind of pop culture, and this guy kept talking about Halloween three and how great it was. So I'm like, ah, I'm going to watch it sometime. It's actually pretty good. Here's the thing: okay. there's no Michael Myers in it. It's What's about the point, these, it's about these weird masks. Talking about Carpenter again, he mm-hmm. uh, he produced this because his idea was the Halloween movies were all supposed to be separate stories about Halloween. And that's oh, what okay. this was. And it did so bad, so terrible, and everybody hated it so much, they gave up on that idea. Wow. Okay. Now, the same day, mm. a little movie called First Blood came out. Yeah. And talk about movies being, you know, spoofed or talked about on other shows. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has a full episode where Danny DeVito, his character is. Keep saying they drew first blood. When he's talking to Rickety Cricket. <laughs> yeah, it's when Mac and I think it's when Mac and yeah Mac and Dennis Manhunter is the episode where yep. they talk about. It. Yep. <laughs> Look, First Blood is actually a really really good movie. Yeah. There was a story somebody somebody famous was supposed to be in it. 
was supposed to play the uh, Brian Dennehy role. They ended up, I want to say it was Clint Eastwood or someone. They ended up pulling out because the original book, John Rambo gets shot and killed. Oh, and okay. I guess they changed it, and he's like, I'm not going to do this. So they got Brian Dennehy do it. And First Blood is still kind of a quiet movie. It's about a tortured mm-hmm. Vietnam vet and bad yeah. cops going after him and everything. And then, you know, Rambo is – First Blood is not a Rambo movie. <laughs> you know, Rambo becomes a superhero. <laughs> yeah. He can't yeah. be killed. <laughs> yeah, he, he wins Vietnam for us. Yeah, exactly. But then outside of that, as you go through October, you get into November, you have the movie Creep Show, which has got a couple of cool parts to it. It's like an anthology film. Nothing great by any means. There's Bugs Bunny's third movie. I didn't even know what it is. Yeah. But never heard of most of these. But then December. Now, December is a strange month to end off. And again, I'm going to talk about a couple of movies that are timeless. But Gandhi came out at this time, mm-hmm. but on the same day. Eddie Murphy's first movie, 48 Hours, came out. So, again, this is a movie I haven't seen in over a decade. But I remember when I saw it, I was probably in my 20s. And I really liked it the first time I saw this movie and thought, oh, okay, this is Eddie Murphy's still being funny, but this is more of an action movie. I think 48 Hours is good. It's, uh, you know, it put Walter Hill on the map and he used all that celebrity to make Streets of Fire. So he got off the map really quick. But, I mean, it was a big movie. It was a big hit. It announced Eddie Murphy, basically. Is it Nick Nolte with him? Yes. Yes, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. And then you have Airplane 2, the sequel, came out a few days later. That movie's awful. Yeah. I mean. It's uh, hard to follow up a movie like Airplane. Yeah. And then to choose between Airplane 2 or the movie The Toy. Do you know what that movie is? Is that (laughs) where Richard Pryor gets bought by a kid? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> so much like deciding between those two movies is kind of a Sophie's Choice. Well, Sophie's Choice came out that same day, too. Another movie I've <laughs> never seen and don't know that I want to see because it, it sounds incredibly sad. And Oh, yeah. And then you get to the end of the year. You have The Dark Crystal. I mean, a Jim Henson movie, another movie that didn't do well when it came out, but is really, I mean, even Netflix did a prequel series about it. Yeah, they did. And then you had the movie Tootsie. Sidney Pollack uh, directed it, Dustin Hoffman, Jessica Lane, where he's, it's kind of like the serious version of Boozum Buddies. I haven't seen that movie ever. I'm wondering if it's aged poorly. I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen it. And I mean, I know of it, obviously. And on one of, on my cable that I have at home, there's a channel we don't get, and it's a movie channel. And the picture is of Tootsie. So I see that picture every day when I'm flipping through the channels at home. But I've never seen it. Ty, I'm going to tell you the top 10 movies of the year. Okay. And you're not going to hear Blade Runner. I was going to say Blade Runner should be one through ten. No. Perhaps. No. Number ten was Annie. Again. And Annie, yeah. Best Little Whorehouse, all these stuff, people, that was uh, that was number nine. A lot of people talk about how the musical was reborn recently. It was still big in the 80s, obviously. Yeah, totally. You had Poltergeist. Then you had 48 Hours, Star Trek II, Porky's. Yeah, talk about a movie that doesn't age well. No. Directed directed by the same guy that directed A Christmas Story. Oh, my God. That's nuts. Rocky Three, An Officer and a Gentleman was the third biggest movie. Wow. The second biggest movie was Tootsie. Okay. Now, again, this was a different time, but just so you know, so Tootsie made about $177 The number one movie made close to 360 million. Jeez, more than double. And that was E.T. Well, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I bet E.T. is number one. Not yeah. It, or something like that. I don't think people get, like, a lot of those movies we talked about, Blade Runner and the Thing especially, I think a lot of it was the video age. I mean, videotapes were just coming out, and mm-hmm. it was kind of people discovered those movies again and had time to sit with them and go, wow, these are really, really good movies. that they ended up growing in time with it. But I I go back and look at it. You think of the top 10 movies the last few years, there's nine superhero movies and then something out of it. Here, you've got two musicals. You got a comedy in 48 hours. I guess we could call Porky's a comedy. (laughs) But the top three movies, the top two are, I mean, I hate to use this term, but they're chick flicks. 
<laughs> Our dramas. <laughs> well, dramas. the type of movie ten uh, somebody ten year older than me would be going to the movies for. Yeah. All right, Ty. I want to end this on a few actors that were born the same year. Oh, hey, good year to be born. <laughs> so, born before you, you have Eddie Redmayne. Hmm. You have uh, Jody Sweeten. Oh wow! Okay. There was uh, let's see, uh, Thomas Middleditch. Hey, Eddie Redmayne, um, Jupiter Ascending, right? He's the oh, one who's yep. like screaming. <laughs> yep. played, he was in Theory of Everything, which you won, which you won the Oscar for, yeah. For some reason, Jupiter Ascending comes about. It'll always be the movie I think of him for. Adam Pally. Hey, I love Adam Pally. Flew a Borg, Brian Tyree Ooh. Henry. Oh, Atlanta's <laughs> great, and he's awesome in that. Yep. Uh, Seth Rogen. Oh. That's who people tell me I look like. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was like, oh man, these are these are like the make me feel old type people. That, <laughs> sure. Uh, like, oh, uh, let's see, Lizzie Kaplan, Priyanka Chopra. Oh wow, Elizabeth Moss. Mm. Ooh, Ivan Stravinsky. I'm playing the Mass Effect games again right now. So you isn't would... she? Wasn't she from that show, Chuck? Yes, yeah, she's on okay. The Handmaid's Tale, but she does a voice of a main character in the Mass Effect games. Uh, Dan Stevens. Hey. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Man, I didn't realize all these people were my age. Yeah, no, there's, uh, let's see, uh, Charlie Cox, Daredevil. Hmm, yeah. So, yeah. Who was born in December? Who has the same birth month as me? Anybody I oh, know? December, nobody on your birthday, but in uh, December sorry. itself... Jamie Nikki, Fox and I have the same birthday. Yeah. He's just a couple years before yeah. me. Nicki Minaj, Charlie Cox was born in December. Allison Brie. No, nice. All right. But uh, the only other thing I found out about this, not that it matters one way or the other, but Paul Lynn died in 1982. He's only 55 oh, years old. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he was <laughs> Yeah, I was Jeez. like, oh, that was weird. All right. Is that the greatest year in movie history? I mean, it's definitely up there. You mentioned E.T., Blade Runner, Fast Times. Like, these are three movies that came out the year I was born, but obviously I didn't see them until much, much later. Yet they have stuck with me far, far longer than a lot of movies I've seen recently. Like, I would much rather watch Fast Times again than watch The Hangover, our old school. Yeah. Or I would much rather watch Blade Runner than we previously mentioned Jupiter Ascending. Like, these are movies that are timeless that stay with you forever. So I'd be curious to look through some other stuff. Like you mentioned 1999 at one point and like the two thousands, I'd be curious to see what other movies came out, but 82 definitely, at least for, for what we're doing on this podcast and this website definitely seems like it's at the top right now. It's, it's, it's definitely number one right now. I would just have to do more research, yeah. but Again, there's I don't own many movies on Blu-ray anymore, and I do still own E.T. and that Blade Runners for for this set that you were talking about. And the kind of final thing I'll say about this is, look, I love my Star Wars movies, except for one. I, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I like my superhero films. I like all that stuff. But it's weird to think about when you go and you look at a year like 1982. And, yeah, there were some franchise films, Rocky Three. Star Trek 2, those were there. But the only superhero movie, really, of the year was The Swamp Thing, and it was a disaster. Conan. Or, yeah, and, but Conan <laughs> wasn't even a top 10 movie. It, yeah, is it Conan or Conan? I think it's... It, Conan is... Conan O'Brien. Yeah, Conan. Conan. Yeah, okay. so, uh, <laughs> but um, not to confuse them. You had movies like E.T. There was nothing like E.T. Yeah, All your yeah. alien movies were more like the thing. The uh-huh. The thing that gives the thing it's kind of cachet is the just the pure horror intention of it. i mean it's a horror movie it's what it is mm-hmm. it's a sci-fi horror movie it just it but it was so out of its box at the time that nobody knew what the hell to do with it and obviously as a country we wanted more ets and not yeah. i mean i will tell you you will be afraid of your dog after you watch the thing <laughs> well the thing also sounds like it's a movie that had it come out now a couple of years ago i remember like right when COVID started, I watched The Babadook for the first time, mm-hmm. not knowing anything about it. And I love that movie. Yeah, I imagine so the same thing would happen with the thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It would be it would be one of the top movies. But this is an era though where again I go back to an officer and a gentleman. I can't really speak to Tootsie, but 
Man, that's a. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that's a good movie. <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah. extremely well made and extremely well acted and all that stuff. So it's just, I guess what I'm saying is you get this movie, you get this year. Oh, I think Liquid Sky also came out that year, which is just this weird ass science fiction, sure. low budget. You know, we were at a time where. People liked their sci-fi. They liked fantasy. They liked yeah. some of the stuff. And so they were they were trying new things. It didn't I work also, at the time, but it yeah. sure as hell is working now. <laughs> well, I also appreciate the competition. Like you mentioned, all these movies that came out on the same day. That's rad to see. Oh, yeah. You don't see that anymore because studios don't want to compete with anybody. It's Marvel says we're going to put out our movie here. DC says, okay. Universal says we're going to put out our movie here. MGM says, well, okay, we'll put out our movie. It's all... It's great that they're all friendly about it now, but to have that competition, that's that's great. I think yeah. that's awesome to see. All right, we're going to put our movies out. Who's going to win? Yeah, and it's... Who's going to make... Who's gonna make not win. Who's going to make more money? Right, right. And it, look, a part of it, too, is movies were not three and a half hours then. They were <laughs> yeah. you know an hour 45. So you could oh theoretically... <laughs> people would go to one or two movies a day sometimes. So. Yeah, I get so hyped when I... Like on our... COVID date nights when we'd rent a movie and it'd only be 90 minutes long. That makes me so happy. All right. Well, there it is, Ty. If somebody needs to contact you to ask you to do a remake of the movie Zapped, where are they going to find you? <laughs> I would never <laughs> even work with those people. But no, you can find me at Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, you can read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I write about a lot of movies. I believe I've written about Blade Runner before, mm-hmm. so you can find that on there. I've been on the Chucklehead Chat podcast a couple of times, hosted by my buddy Glenn Adams. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. Most importantly, you can find me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Great review us. Come check out our Patreon when we get that going. I do want to say rest in peace, Coolio. You were yeah. one of the first rappers I listened to and thought, oh, hey, this is really cool how you can sample music and rap over top of it. So rest in peace, Coolio. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, we repeat all that. XMillennialManSeedSing.com. And so you're going to be in the happiest place on earth next week, yeah. Ty. So. And my daughter turns seven a week from today. So I'm going to be in where my wife's uh, dad is taking us to Disney World on we leave on the 4th and we get back on the 9th. All right, I just need you to get me my $200 lightsaber. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to buy one of those for my own kids. So <laughs> and it needs to be... $200. Oh, no, no. Come on, goodness in your heart type thing. So. Yeah, totally. All right, well, enjoy. <laughs> I will, thanks. Shana, shana, The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.